You're listening to Matrimony. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chris. The show is about our marriage. And our money. husband. Hi. You told me that you were going to change the inflections in your voice every time you did the intro. That's exciting. Did I do it? I don't know. I did it subtly. Subtly. Yeah. Probably no one even noticed. I was about to say, this show was about our marriage. (laughs) I'd like that. On this episode, we're sharing some marriage tips, plus answer two listener questions about ethical investments and the everyday mechanics of managing our finances. Let's talk about life lately. Okay. Our son is in underwear. Our almost three-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's so exciting. It's super huge. It's so awesome. I love it so much. And just like a couple of our friends um, mentioned to us with their child, it just was a flip of a switch. Yeah. And he, I, I don't recall exactly what happened. I think I asked him if he wanted to be in underwear and he just yeah. said yes. And then he just all of a sudden started saying letting us know when he needed to go potty. And he's had a handful of accidents since, but that's about it. It's been so awesome. We were kind of in the situation we were one (laughs) You are making ridiculous faces at me. I did that on purpose. And it is annoying me. (laughs) I just looked over and Chris all of a sudden like made this surprise face because I just got annoyed and and re-recording a section because it looked like he got this like expectant look on his face like we needed to stop recording or something and then I stopped to say what's going on and he was like no it's nothing (laughs) I'm I'm encrypting my body language by jumbling my signal so you can't oh my gosh (laughs) that that makes for a great conversational (laughs) podcast (laughs) well anyway we were kind of in this like limbo we were sort of toilet training sort of not but it felt like we weren't making a lot of progress and we knew that like just all that would have to happen is that Dash would just need to decide and there's nothing we could do really to encourage that. So we're just being patient, but we were eager to take the next step. So anyway, but it's been really awesome. Well, the question is what happens now? I mean, for our second kid, do we, do we train or do we just let it happen oh. naturally? Um, I don't know. I, I think probably... I don't know, just naturally, kind of like with Dash, I guess. Well, because there was the idea that maybe we'd go the Montessori route and try oh, to start yeah. training at 14 months, which is now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I believe that Montessori encourages to start doing kind of like a toilet awareness, I'm not sure, <laughs> around 14, 14 months. <laughs> and I haven't looked into exactly what all that entails and um, whatnot. So, a toilet awareness campaign. Yeah. Well, we have been showing him how to sit on the practice potty, mm-hmm. so maybe that maybe that's all we need to do. And yeah, he, he gets excited about that. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else is going on in life? Oh, we had a great coffee date this week on our carpool. Yeah. Do you remember? We stopped at, it's called, it's the Graduate Hotel. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this um, modern, retro, hip 
a hotel near campus and they have a little diner and they do coffee and stuff. So yeah, we stopped in and got coffee and pastries, overpriced coffee. No way overpriced pastries. coffee. <laughs> I think we used all the last of our coffee dollars, Yeah, which were the, my dad always gives um, an envelope of $2 bills for Christmas. And we always just put them in the glove box and use them for coffee for, you know, the next few mm-hmm. months. And I think we're down to like our last two $2 bills after that <laughs> trip. <laughs> it's fun using them though. Cause everybody looks at them like, Oh, it's so weird. And there's always just a little glimmer of like, are these real? Yeah, I know. I <laughs> always feel like I'm being suspected of counterfeit <laughs> money <laughs> whenever I use them. Um, what else have we been doing? Just work. I had kind of a stressful week at work, but, mm-hmm. um, but as the week has gone on, it's like kind of getting better and it's going to be the weekend. So, but it, it gave you a chance to have great perspective in life. It did. And I'm going to talk about that later. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so please don't talk about it now. <laughs> I should do a better job consulting our show notes. <laughs> um, okay. So one thing that I wanted to move on to our next topic in life lately, because this show is about our marriage and our money. And I think we've done a good job of being intentional about our marriage and keeping our marriage strong, even though this like becoming parents and having two young kids, especially close together has been stressful mm-hmm. at times. You've mm-hmm. talked about how, what, what was your kind of theme? Uh, frustration is the stuff of love. Yeah. So I loved that. That was in one of our previous episodes, but I just thought maybe we could share some, I don't know, kind of marriage tips or, or what we think that we've done well, or we try to do that. That is good for a marriage. Do we have like a marriage that is really projects based projects based. (laughs) Yeah. So we have, we have this whole thing like this, for example, these creative projects, you have yours, I have mine. And so we allocate time and kind of structure a lot of our Mm -hmm. week around these things, projects related to work. Mm -hmm. And then the project of parenthood, Mm -hmm. I feel like actually it's sort of, I don't know I think we're both project oriented people maybe. Mm -hmm. And and we structure our whole agenda each week around these things. Mm -hmm. Is that what, are we intentional about structuring things that way? So that's I what think keeps so. I, I don't know so much about the projects, but I think I mean I think that the the projects come from things that we love, like passions that we have, and I think we are really intentional, or we've come to see that we need to be really intentional about fitting those into our lives. Like, mm-hmm. and that was um, something that I was going to say is just being intentional about making time for those things. Like we we coordinate so that we can both have time to exercise, like go to Orange Theory, mm-hmm. so that I can go to book club and and you do bedtime that night with the boys. Um, if you want to have like writing time on a weekend or same for me. Um, and so, so I don't know if it's so much project-based, but I feel like we do just communicate a lot and, we, and we've become good, I think, about like recognizing what we need as individuals, Mm -hmm. like exercise, like you want to make sure that we see your family regularly, um, you know, seeing friends and things like that. And so we recognize that we need those things. And then we like talk to each other and make time to actually do them Mm -hmm. and like plan ahead so that it doesn't like surprise the other person. Whereas, you know, suddenly you're like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, take off for three hours and see my friends. So do you want to watch the kids like that? Just, I mean, for my personality, especially that just, that would be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've had to learn that skill over time, <laughs> but I think, or maybe it's not project focused, but it's like goal orientation. I guess is so. what I'm thinking about. And okay. that 
like I, I think what fosters communication is what we have things we want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And because we want to accomplish those things, we work together and communicate to mm-hmm. make sure we can achieve those goals. And so one of our goals together is finances. Like right. that's a major, major goal. Yeah. Um, and so we set up our lives so that we can accomplish these things and maximize our flexibility mm-hmm. or goals related to our creativity mm-hmm. <clears throat> and our those projects. And so I guess there's... um. The, I guess there's like a, it's sort of the strategic planning thing that we've talked about before. Yeah. There's a vision that we have for these various yeah. things and, and, and how do we want to accomplish them? And we, I think we do a good job being a team. In fact, we refer to ourselves as, as a team all the yeah, time. Yeah, Team Wharton. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that goes along with that, that I feel like I like mentally refer to all the time is a blog post that I wrote a couple of years ago, and I'll link to it in the show notes titled Our Ideal Life. And it was something I talked to you about and then wrote a blog post that listed the aspects of what our ideal life would include. And it included being debt-free, you know, having just one car or no car at all, being able to bike a lot of places, everyone in the family having time to pursue their passions, um, just just things like that, cooking lots of home-cooked meals. I mean, mm-hmm. um, all these things that added up, you know, add up to our ideal life. And a lot of them are very achievable or we actually have already achieved. None of them are unachievable and m- many of them, might not seem like anything really significant, but just as, I don't know, as, as we're like making decisions about things or where to allocate, you know, time and energy and things like that. Sometimes I just refer to that and it's like, does this get us closer to that picture of our ideal life or not? So. So that's a really great tool to have actually Mm -hmm. keep referencing back to. Yeah. I, I actually recommend like anyone sit down and brainstorm, talk with a partner if you have one and, you know, kind of brainstorm separately and then come together and see how you would define your ideal life. I think it's a really great exercise. I, I'm in the middle of a blog post. Actually, I have been for like a month because I haven't been updating my blog about uh, this very thing. And, and the argument that I'm making is that <clears throat> we're very thoughtful animals. You know, we have the like the benefit of being able to be reflect. aware of ourselves mm-hmm. and reflect and think about our place in the universe and all that. But we I argue that like our whole society is built for extremism in mm-hmm. all these different ways. Mm-hmm. And part of it is busyness. And I think mm-hmm. we're like, it's foisted upon us this idea that we have to constantly be busy with all these different things and be yeah. running around, especially when you have kids and mm-hmm. putting them in activities and all this. And I think the busyness is like a way to accidentally or maybe purposefully uh, distract yourself. So you can't even think about mm-hmm. achieving big things. You just have to, if you have mm-hmm. any time to think at all, it's like, can gotcha. I get to the next place on time? Right, right. You know, so um, so having a tool where you can even just briefly go back and say, okay, we're on track or mm-hmm. we need to change course a little bit, something like that, mm-hmm. that's useful. Yeah. Um, another thing I was going to say that that just I think has been so great for us is carpooling and just our carpool conversations, mm-hmm. like the, the 25 minutes or so that we get after we drop the boys off from daycare or before we pick them up when it's just you and me in the car Mm -hmm. and we just get to catch up on our day, talk about what's going on, talk about what's coming up just on the days when we haven't gotten to carpool. If we don't get to carpool for a couple of days, I just find that I kind of don't feel quite as connected to you or I just feel like, man, we just haven't gotten to talk. Uh, So (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So what will happen when I'm on sabbatical? I know. I, I feel like we don't have quite an ideal, quite a great solution. And it might just be, we'll just have to be intentional. Maybe, um, like maybe you can meet me, you can 
ride your bike and meet me somewhere and we can like have a coffee date after I like I drop the boys off at daycare mm-hmm. and then I meet you somewhere not too far from home and yep. we make that a uh, weekly or every other weekly and then I don't know maybe we'll just find some other places I other think, ways I think maybe the evenings will be better because oh, yeah. um oh, since right. I'll be home I can keep the house in order and, and you can kind of have dinner prep kind of thing so yeah evenings go more smoothly we'll have more time for the other things that are important i think for our marriage which mm-hmm. we make post bedtime times for ourselves to play mm-hmm. board games and <laughs> hang out and do those little things and so that'll be easier to do because yeah. we'll, we'll keep everything more in order yeah so maybe yeah. we'll also plant it a little yeah, bit yeah i have found you know when we had a television it was uh not every night but pretty typical routine that after we put the boys down or um that that we would watch like Netflix, like a show or something. And I mean, that felt enjoyable. It was like a nice way to relax. But Mm -hmm. now that we don't have a television, it has been, it has been so surprising to me that I, how little I've missed a television. I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, there is maybe a handful, not even two or three times when I've had a passing thought, oh, it'd be kind of nice to sit down and watch a show. But I Mm -hmm. mean, the next minute it's gone. I have not missed it and instead I feel like we have been more often having dinner together having dessert and playing a card game playing a dice game Mm -hmm. and it's been awesome because tv time is not really a quality time together no no it's not you talk about during commercial break yeah (laughs) you're you're really you're not you're like you're not making eye contact you're not real you're not interacting i mean you're there in the same room but it, i i don't think it counts as quality time oh my god everybody get rid of your tv <laughs> please get rid of your, especially now with the, the political season all you're going to see is hate ads just get rid of your tv <laughs> um let's see anything anything else no i think that makes up our general strategy to, to remain general. happy one thing one other thing i would mention is that also i feel like after we sometimes after we put the boys to bed we'll just like have time to like chat and decompress and we'll just talk about how hard the day was or how difficult maybe one of them is being right then and mm-hmm. um and it's not even a time where we're like trying to give the other so much solutions but just like acknowledging and and some because sometimes when you're in the middle of it you're so stressed out and frustrated that it's so easy to then become frustrated with your partner you know or like Mm -hmm. take it out on each other and stuff Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I feel like that's a good way to kind of like reconnect as a team Mm -hmm. and be reminded that like no, it's not you or me. It's just that this is a really stressful time and we're both doing the very best we can and neither one of us really actually have an answer or a solution. And I don't know, I, there have definitely just been days where we end up doing that and it just kind of feels like the stress of the day or like from parenting. We just, we're kind of even remind each other like there's, there's so little right now. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're supposed to be learning boundaries, testing boundaries. You know, this is just totally normal mm-hmm. and it'll pass. And Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I almost daily returned that mantra of frustration is That's the stuff so cool. of love. Like just the idea that all going through all this is just teaching you patience and you have to be patient and invest all your energy into dealing with this crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> insane little child mm-hmm. or children. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all, it all pays off in the end in terms of how you feel about mm-hmm. that kid. So, mm-hmm. um, so that always offers me perspective mm-hmm. when I feel like I want to take an ax to the house or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you actually feel that way. No, we don't own an axe. Don't worry. Anybody. 
Okay. So should we move on to talking about our money? Yes. All right. Let's move on to talking about our money. Okay. I shared last time that this month I'm trying to recommit to tracking my expenses in Mint. And mm-hmm. I am tracking them, although I actually have not tracked and updated to see the total amount that I've spent. <laughs> I have been going into Mint and categorizing my entertainment expenses. Just I, those or categorizing everything? Uh, categorizing just like kind of anything that I see. Okay, good. Um, I am slightly worried that I'm probably getting already close to my limit because last weekend was the Phoenix Flea Market, which is like this craft, vintage, handmade Yeah. Um, I don't even know what you call it, like craft show thing Mm -hmm. in downtown Phoenix. And I went with a friend. I've been wanting to go for a long time. um, And I bought some things. (laughs) Nothing. Some essential candles. Yeah. I think I I bought two candles and a card. I mean, nothing crazy at all. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it just like adds up really fast. There was parking. I bought a snack, you know, just just little things like that. It's it's so crazy how fast things add up. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, but. But it's good. Just just the just the act of tracking, like I thought, is helping me to be more mindful of like, okay, I'm spending money. I'm probably getting pretty close. I need to, you know, just be mind like not make any plans to spend more money and Well, so what do you think? Like so you, you mentioned that people are looking to have lunches yeah. with you or oh, that kind of thing. So I wanted to say, yeah, I just this week I feel like I got two or three invitations for lunch and coffee. So um, one friend that uh, one friend is coming in from out of town to a conference and she kind of has limited time and it feels like a difficult situation. But I did ask if we could meet for coffee instead of lunch or dinner. Um, and so that could be a little bit cheaper. Another friend who is local wanted to get together and I did just e- email her back today and I suggested we meet somewhere and go for a walk. Perfect. So are, great. You, are you proud of me? Yeah. All right. So it's working. You're tracking and you're feeling mm-hmm. the need to bring it in and you are. And I'm just trying to like consider alternative scenarios, you know, Mm because I, because I was thinking about asking that friend for coffee and kind of figuring out how that would work. And then I realized that actually, I mean, I would prefer to be active and take a walk and be outside rather than just sitting um, anyway. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So hopefully she'll be um, game for that. Yeah. Uh, What's going on in our money from your perspective? Well, I spent part of this week thinking long and hard about our house. Oh my gosh, you were sending me so many emails and... Spreadsheets. <laughs> Spreadsheets. Well, so um, I don't know how I got onto it, but I was just thinking about um, overall just the market and how our house has grown in value on paper. You know, we, yeah. we, we built equity in it, you know, because we're <clears throat> actually now we put as much principal in as we do interest. In oh, our, we in do. Yeah. So we've hit that. Ooh, that's satisfying. That's kind of cool. Hit that threshold. When does it tip over? Does it ever, when does it tip well, over? It probably sh- should now, or like our next payment should be okay. more principal than interest, which is cool. Whoa. Yeah. The thing is, uh, the market in our area has grown. Yep. It was one of the hardest hit in the country with the, the bubble bursting mm-hmm. and everything. Years ago, and now it's grown in value, and our house in particular has grown. And so, mm-hmm. because we, we bought like kind of during the recession, we bought in the summer of 2009. So yeah. it was fairly close to kind of the bottom of the housing market here. Yeah. So we've shared this before. We bought the house for 200,000. Mm-hmm. Um, we've paid the mortgage down to about 160, a little bit less now. Mm-hmm. But the, the value has gone up. And so, um, 
on paper based on Zillow, and there's always a question of how accurate Zillow is, our house is worth almost two hundred sixty thousand. Mm-hmm. And and there have been a couple of houses sold on our street, like very recently and within the last year. Um, around that value. Around that value, a little bit higher, and so mm-hmm. so we actually have you know. The, might be might be somewhat reliable. Yeah. So even say if if we ever want if we wanted to sell this house right about now and we sold it for say two fifty, so ten mm-hmm. k less than what Zillow says, that'd be fifty thousand profit mm-hmm. on a forty thousand dollar investment over six years time or however long we've been mm-hmm. in the house. Anyway, it's it's a pretty incredible return on investment, mm-hmm. and houses these days are not always such an incredible return. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about this. We could, if we could sell the house and walk away with ninety or hundred thousand dollars in hand, mm-hmm. and then go rent somewhere, we could pay off my student loans, have a bunch of cash still in the bank, or take all that money and invest it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and what an, an incredible kind of windfall! Like, what a great way to leverage this right. investment we made mm-hmm. and get the cash out of it for you know, an improvement mm-hmm. and, and actually possibly even become 100% debt free. Yeah. So which, an, which is an aspect of our, of our ideal life that we would like to achieve. Yeah. So we, uh, I, I started thinking about this and I was looking around at rentals and, mm-hmm. um, I found one that was already gone, mm-hmm. but, uh, on Zillow that looked really great. It's in an ideal location for us. And I thought, okay, and I brought it up to you mm-hmm. to say, you know, would we, move out of this house. We could make all this money, but you know, we love the house. We Mm -hmm. love the location. We're around great neighbors Mm -hmm. in a great neighborhood, all of those things. So how do you balance this? Right. Renting versus owning, owning a house that you love, that you've put some time and money into, Mm -hmm. um, that we wouldn't necessarily like it's, you know, we've invested in this thing for our personal enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So we thought about it and, um, I found some resources. I created a spreadsheet to show, of course, you know, rationally speaking, mm-hmm. it makes all the sense in the world to sell this mm-hmm. thing. Um, but emotionally speaking, it's a little bit different. And you asked a friend mm-hmm. for some advice who's in real estate, and mm-hmm. she offered a really thoughtful response. Yeah, um, I, I just have my. Uh, I asked my friend Becky. She is a realtor, but she's also just so down to earth and always just gives really thoughtful great advice. And so I thought of her and she just sent me this wonderful email full of gems of advice. And I think a few of the things that she kind of pointed out to us were things like, you know, a rental house, there are going to be potentially unforeseen things like increases in your rent, you know, so if you're, you're basing your savings, um, this good kind of investment on, this rental price, you don't know when that's going to change. You also don't know if the house might get sold, if the owners might want to sell the house, and if that's going to then force you to move when you weren't ready to move. Um, Just also pointed out things that, you know, rental houses are going to see different people living in them more frequently. So they might be uh, just need, you know, not repairs, but just not have the same quality that like our house has and things that you do want fixed, you know, communication with your landlord, responsiveness of your landlord, things like that um, is just something to, you know, something to consider. Um, uh, she was also 
um, talking about, you know, I was mentioning that maybe if we were in a rental house, then I wouldn't be looking around all the time in our house, seeing things that I wanted to improve, which like represents, you know, thousands of dollars that we might not ever spend, but that kind of just stays in the back of my mind. And it's like kind of that potential, potential money that I'm spending in my mind. Um, and she pointed out that, um, Yes, those things can be money spent, but if if you know if you are choosing to do those things and it is improving your home environment and that makes you happier, that it could be worth it, you know, if it's something that you could afford. And I just I just thought that those were all really in really insightful and uh, yeah, kind of offered another perspective. Like it is more than just your your living space is more than just you know, the numbers in a spreadsheet. So, Mm -hmm. and so, so did her email change your perspective at all? Or was there anything in particular she said, or I feel like you've kind of cooled on the scenario a little bit. It might be because that rental house, it turns out wasn't available or had already, already been rented and, and actually kind of in the area we're looking in near downtown Gilbert is a pretty desirable area. So I think like any rentals, we would have to be pretty aggressive with them. That's what cooled me off the most. Really? Is just a lack of availability. Mm-hmm. Like all the um, the headaches that might go along with it. And like I'd have de- a really like hard dealing time. dealing with a landlord or things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the possibility of it being sold and having to move again. Those sorts of things are, those would be super frustrating to right. deal with. Um, but you'd be willing to deal with them for the... I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't theory. decided. <laughs> but so so the interesting counterpoint, I've... Um, I knew about this guy before, and I'm going to talk about him, my one big thing, but Jim Collins, not the Jim Collins of like good to great books and things like that, a different Jim Collins, I think. Um, he's got a website. He's Mr. Money Mustache links to him, mm-hmm. and he talks about simple living and investing in business. Um, but he's got a, a post, which I only happened upon today. Like, I, It's funny that I've been oh, thinking about this. I, yeah, randomly came across it today about why buying a house is essentially the most terrible investment you could ever possibly make. Oh. <laughs> And he says, um, his, his whole post is like, okay, so let's just say, you know, a friend and I are sitting down talking and saying, let's try to come up with a worst possible investment we could think of. Mm-hmm. What would its attributes be? And he says, well, um, it should be not just an initial, but if we do it right, a relentlessly ongoing drain on the cash reserves of the owner. It should be totally illiquid. It should be expensive to buy and to sell. It should be complex to buy and sell so that you have to, you know, pay lots of fees mm-hmm. for the complex paperwork that's yeah. required. Um, it should be, you know, mortgage, like you have to take a loan out to buy this thing. It should be immobile, like you can't move it anywhere. Uh And it should be, you know, subject to the whims of not even, you know, the, like the state and the city, Mm -hmm. the community that you live in, the taxes and environmental situations that come up, but even the neighborhood and Mm -hmm. like your neighbor Mm -hmm. could dictate the price of this massive invest, like all these things. Right, right. That's interesting. Rationally speaking, like I totally Mm. get this point. However, um, I think that's generally the market. And I think as long as we weren't forced to sell this house at a very low point in the market, mm-hmm. because we bought at like this historically low yeah. price right, and with an incredibly good mortgage rate, yes. um, that we probably can, for the most part, depend on, on getting a good return on the mm-hmm. investment whenever we did sell it, as long as we choose when we want to. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm not like pushed yeah. to try to sell it. Although the idea of going 100% debt-free does kind of get me really excited. It's pretty enticing. Anyway, the whole point of this is we went back and forth. I think we're not, you know, 
we're not doing anything. And we did. I don't know if we, maybe we alluded to this on the podcast before, but a year, two years ago, we actually kind of went through the same thought experiment, wondering, should we sell our house and, you know, pay off debt, not have a mortgage, maybe even live with your parents for a while, like essentially kind of living rent free. I mean, we were just trying to be totally open, you know, like just what are these different scenarios that most people might not consider that if we did so could, could really, um, put us in a position of having more financial flexibility. And at that time too, we really evaluated stuff and we're really considering it. We were even talking like, could we instead like rent a house with friends, like with another couple and like share a house, you know, just, just different scenarios like that. And ultimately we again decided to stay in our house and it seems like we are this time, but, um, you know, I I have to admit, I get a little, not quite anxious, but I, I just do love so many things about our house and just our current living situation, our community. And, you know, I like routine and habit. So I think anything that would totally up into that is feels a little stressful for me. But I do want to remain open to considering just different scenarios because you don't want to not even be willing to consider opening a door if, you know, if really cool things could be behind it. And so, so I like that, you know, every year or so we just, you know, kind of, kind of open this conversation up and just say like, what if, like, how do we feel about that now? What's the market like now? So yeah. yeah. If our house ever reached like 300 K, oh man, it'll get hard (laughs) to to not do it. When we had the initial conversation, that was probably $30,000 of on-paper value ago, you know? Mm. So it's interesting how much it keeps Yeah, this, keeps going this area up. is growing and has a really yeah. strong market. So, I, I mean, I think it's going to keep staying pretty strong. And it is going to be interesting what happens in the next, like, just over the next five years, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And if there is anyone, any of our listeners that owned, owning a house and decided to sell and rent, like, like for for those purposes like to pay off all your debt and we would love to hear from you and yeah. just just hear if, if that's something you'd recommend and just kind of hear more about your experience yeah okay so let's move on to we have two listener questions today Okay, the first question is, we've actually received this question a few times, and that is about ethical investing, because we have shared on the podcast that we, you know, try to practice these values of uh, being kind to the environment, like caring about our community and the world that we live in and things Mm -hmm. like this. And so people have asked us, well, what about where you're investing your money? And there are some investments that you can make that are considered to be ethical investments. They might be supporting socially conscious companies or um, clean energy companies and things like this. And so people were wondering, do we make those kind of investments? And if not, why not? Um, And so I thought that was just really great question. Yeah. And I actually, I did have to think about it for a while um, because we are not investing our money like based on making, you know, these ethical investments. Um, Not that we're trying to be unethical. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's sort of. (laughs) Not like, not like socially conscious investing. It's (laughs) non-ethical. It's. I don't don't know. know. (laughs) Um, but so, 
I recently, and I think shared this on the podcast that I had recently read a book called The Most Good That You Can Do about effective altruism, which is by Peter Singer. It's a great book and I would really recommend it. And it's a pretty quick read. And the whole um, premise of the book is talking about how you can be the most effective type of altruist. Mm -hmm. And so where are those places where you can put your time and energy to have the most good impact on the world? And they even gave the example of, you know, uh, one type of effective altruist might be someone who chooses to work on Wall Street just so that they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but lives very frugally. So then they're, you know, able to donate like, you know, 80, 90% of their income to, to charities and also to charities that make the most impact on people's lives. Mm -hmm. And they gave really great examples of those type of charities. Um, there, you know, are, are some charities that for, you know, kind of low amounts of money are, you know, saving someone's life or curing someone's blindness, you know, things like that versus other types of charities that, um, might not be making that same type of impact. So yeah, anyway. his favorite example is malaria nets. So oh right, buying those for you know so kids can sleep under those and not get malaria and not die versus another charity which might mm -hmm. train you know poor people on on job skills, which is a very important mm -hmm. thing. But that's a good thing, but is mm -hmm. a very much better thing saving mm -hmm. people's lives. Or at right? least there's there's like a much more just like direct way that you're you know clearly. Yeah, saving this very life. little money so you mm -hmm. can save lots of lives more yeah know? so anyway just very very interesting i had never kind of read a framework like that and so um that's kind of the framework that i thought about when i thought about this question and i think what i've kind of come to think like my view on this is that the amount of money that that you and i chris and i could be investing in the stock market is not going to affect the type of market that exists. It's really, I don't feel like going to affect having more clean energy companies, having more socially conscious companies and things like that. Um, but, or, or someone that's interested in um, being an effective altruist. But if you inv invest your money very wisely and to maximize your returns, you could then have more disposable income that you then can channel towards those charities or those actions that you think are going to have the most impact on the world. Maybe it lets you be um, retire early or have or, you know, work less or take a lower salary so that you can uh, volunteer or have more time to like to do those kinds of things or just gives you that disposable income so that you can be um, donating it to the charities that you think are um, making the most impact. So anyway, that's kind of that's kind of how I came to think about it. What do you what do you think? I think that's the best answer. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, I, I have some like if you were going to be investing, how could you do it in ways that would feel a little bit better? Maybe I if see. you're worried about investing in like just the stock market or, or just these big companies, things like that. Yeah. Well, there's so two ways to think about it. One. So one is other non ethics oriented investing that you could think about. So um, some things that have become popular recently are, for example, REITs, uh, which is like a, it's a real estate investment trust. So REIT. And that's a way to invest in it's like a mutual fund of real estate as I understand it, you know? So you're investing in property in a certain way rather than 
um, stocks in companies. And so that would be one way to go about it if you were if you were concerned about investing in in stocks of big big you know corporations. Um, there's also the other one that I had thought of was peer to peer lending is becoming really oh, yeah. um, really popular. Yeah. So you can actually there are companies now online, and you can essentially make loans to individuals through mm-hmm. these organizations. And I think you you choose sort of your level of risk. Um, but and Mr. Money Mustache has written about this, and mm-hmm. he's had actually good returns off of it. But mm-hmm. now you're now you're working with individuals or groups of individuals versus companies. Right. It's another way to go about it. And there actually are, you know, socially conscious funds that are out there. So I used to invest in one called the Calvert Global Energy Fund. Mm-hmm. It did terribly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 um, asset allocation is all in like, you know, wind and solar and right, right. tidal power, these sorts of things. But all of that is really volatile and doesn't perform as well as the overall market. So. Mm-hmm. You could invest in that if you're going for the long term and, and literally putting your money in the idea that in the future, you know, these things will take off because we're right. moving towards alternative energy. And that's that's probably not unfounded, but mm-hmm. you're there's a lot of a lot more risk in that than just going into a standard index fund like we invest in. And actually in. one of the listeners that wrote to us to ask about this, uh, Justin, he made an interesting point and he was just saying that maybe in the future the uh political environment will be such that like clean energy will really be championed. And then actually maybe that will be an amazing investment right now. It's really not something that our government in our country, at least in the United States is really prioritizing. And so hopefully in the future it will be. And then, I mean, you know, if clean energy could one day be as good of an investment as investing in like the big oil companies, that would be something. Yeah. And actually I think the stage is set for that. So just a couple months ago, there were talks in Paris and mm. all major countries were there. And actually there's a significant um, business presence as well. And so probably for the first time, there's like a real groundwork for moving towards mm-hmm. clean energy and moving away from a carbon based right. energy source. And so I actually, I think that's not again, unfounded, mm-hmm. um, but the, how long we move towards that right. is the thing. But the other the other point I would make is, you know, our constant advice is investing in an index fund through Vanguard. Mm-hmm. VTSAX is the one that we do. Um, sort of a total stock market index fund. If you look at that and you look at the major holdings of, a, of an index fund like mm-hmm. that, like does it really not reflect how you live the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. So that would be if you want to kind of be real with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the resources and the services that you use. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at VTSAX in particular, because mm-hmm. that's where we have all our money. Right. And if you look at the like the top assets, like in mm-hmm. terms of percentage investment, it's consumer goods, consumer services, financials, healthcare, oil and gas, which might be one of the concerns mm-hmm. ethically, um, and technology. But then if you look at the companies, you got Apple is number one, Alphabet, which is Google. now Google's parent mm-hmm. company, Microsoft, ExxonMobil, Johnson & Johnson, General Electric, Berkshire Hathaway, Facebook, Wells Fargo, Procter & Gamble. Hmm. It's interesting. Probably you use many, many products and services from, yeah. including ExxonMobil, right? Yeah, like if you right. drive a car, you're using gas. Right. right? So, and, so the index fund probably reflects much of how you live your life. If it doesn't, then you know maybe you now mm-hmm. have like an ethical kind of right, right. mismatch. But otherwise, you know, if if it kind of reflects how you live your life, then maybe actually investing in an index fund does not hmm. isn't so unethical. Hmm. You know, 
so yeah, so it's just it's it's something to think about. Maybe take a real right. look at at the types of funds you might invest in to see if it's mm-hmm. really if it really doesn't reflect yeah. your life. Oh, that's really interesting. Very insightful, Christopher. Thank you. Okay, we I wanted to address a second listener question today today and someone emailed to ask us about like the day-to-day mechanics of our budgeting. We've talked about like sitting down for a budget meeting or a financial summit and like making your goals. We've talked about tracking and mint, but, but what does managing our finances look for us just like on an everyday basis? Well, I check in probably every single day mm-hmm. on almost all of our accounts, yes. <laughs> which is silly. There's no, no need to I really do that. I think that's great. It's good. It's good to do. I think in your bank accounts where like cash flow is really happening, mm-hmm. no need to in your long-term investment accounts. Right. Obviously. Sure. But, um, so I go in every day. It's my principal form of entertainment and procrastination <laughs> simultaneously. I know. I feel like um, because we have our our budget in Excel in Dropbox. And so I'll be sitting, I think I've mentioned this before, but like sitting, getting settled into my desk at work and I'll get my Dropbox notification, Team Wharton budget updated, Team Wharton budget updated. <laughs> and so I know that you're doing your daily check-in of our budget. <laughs> it's, it's a living document. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'll go to our bank accounts um, and make sure that we're on track. So prob- how I do it, mm-hmm. and I think probably we we do it a little bit independently and then we check in is yeah. probably like the main mm-hmm. structure. But I'll go in, I'll check our accounts, and I just do that daily probably just to kind of check and see like that things are... Like on Bank are, of America. Yeah. To see make thing, like, okay. Make sure everything's cool. Um, probably on a weekly basis, since we're paid bi-weekly, on a weekly right. basis, I'll look at our balance look to see what's been paid in terms of our automatic bills and things and what's right, coming right. and ensure that we're, we're pretty much on. And right. if not, then I'll, I'll start to move a little bit of money around right. just to make sure we have enough in our various accounts to cover bills that are coming. Right. So I do that probably weekly. Um, and I appreciate that because I do not check our accounts to make sure there's enough to pay all of our bills because I know that you do that and I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a, like a if you're very principled and and you have a simple plan and you stick to the budgets you allow, you provide yourself, there's no need to do that really. Like mm-hmm. you should you'll just know that the money is there for the various things. Right. I just really love to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I go do it. Um, and then probably maybe weekly, maybe bi-weekly there'll be a conversation we have at night or mm-hmm. carpooling the next day or something yeah. where I'll say, okay, I looked at these things. Here's where we're at. Let's mm-hmm. do this or that. Or what mm-hmm. do you think? And, you know, we'll talk about yeah. moving money around basically. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's basically it. And then, um, like we've mentioned, we track our expenses in mint. I'm trying to then like go to the mint app on my phone, you know, every other day or so and look at the expenses um, that have come through and categorize those. I mean, that's kind of how often are you checking into Mint? Uh, I probably pop in every few days. Okay. Just to see balances. Yeah. Like if I don't want to look at particular accounts, you can see all your balances at once. That's a nice thing about the Mint app is that rather than going to your bank accounts and then your investment accounts and right. then your retirement account or whatever, you can just look see them all at mm-hmm. once. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's, I think that's kind of it. And then, you know, for a budget meeting, we'll kind of like schedule those or say, Hey, let's like sit down and like, look at our budget. If we have something bigger, like, you know, when we are thinking about like painting the house or, you know, like trips coming up or, or something like that, like, let's really kind of look and plan for this or, or if, you know, consistently we're just saying like, man, we are going over on our groceries month after month. Like, let's sit down. Do we need to adjust this? Do we need to kind of have a talk about recommitting to, you know, spending less at the grocery store? Just kind of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and there is some infrastructure, actually quite a bit of infrastructure, I think, behind all that. Mm-hmm. So our reference document, the our Team Morton budget, right. we've shared, I think, like the breakdown. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've shared the actual spreadsheet because like it, with formulas and stuff yeah maybe? and it's probably because it's it's very particular to our situation like right. you know i'm planning for saving for the summer because i don't get paychecks in the that's summer right, and all of that's that. right but i have a bunch of stuff built in like i i figure out what our daycare expenses are month to month um i'm estimating what extra pay i might get in the summer right. to adjust our summer budget to understand how much i should be saving per month mm-hmm. um i have checks uh, various like formulas to check that we're you know, actually putting the right amounts into our various accounts to ensure that we cover all our automatic bills. And I adjust those periodically in case something comes up, like a, a raise, for example. Right. Um, our broad investing in Vanguard, mm-hmm. I'm tracking that year to year. So I have estimates for how much we should be putting in each month. <laughs> and I track that as every time I put some in, I, I update mm-hmm. that so that I can see, you know, whether we're on track or not. Mm-hmm. And then I estimate our travel expenses too. So we know gotcha. what trips are coming up and right, I have, right. you know, big broad numbers and make sure that that gets formulated in with the rest of our usually like summer expenses mm-hmm. and savings. But I think it just speaks to, and this speaks to kind of what you talked about is related to like the healthy defaults, but like getting mm-hmm. your budget document set up, you know, having it really reflect all your expenses that come in and really reflect, you know, your true income and and what you want to be saving. Um, And, you know, maybe having some of those, like tracking some of those other things like out to the side, you know, this, this year we want to be spending, you know, this much money on travel or, you know, just things like that, having it all captured in one place. um, Then you just, you know, then it's set. I mean, or you can just make like little tweaks, but then you can just be checking back to refer to it. And and then checking in on your finances is a really easy, quick thing to do. It's not like, oh man, I got to sit down. It's going to take me an hour to figure out where everything is and how much I've spent. Like we've set it up so that we monitor very effortlessly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's helpful to have this document and we've had this I mean, since we've been together and yep. it's, it's gone through year to year iterations. And mm-hmm. so it's gotten the complexity it has now is right. from as many years in the making. But <laughs> you can sit down and create something similar. All of it, though, in the end, funnels into my most important number, which is our net savings and our gross savings. Oh. So the percentage of money we save of our net earnings and the percentage we save from our gross. <laughs> okay. You have so, those numbers for me right now? Yeah. Okay. Let's hear them. We save 32% of gross and 17% of net. 17%? 17% of net. Mm-hmm. All right. How do you feel about that? Oh, it's much, much better than average, but mm-hmm. I wish we, I always wish we could do more. Yeah. But I, there's, it would be difficult to do significantly better unless mm-hmm. we radically changed our life. Like for example, selling our house. I see. Yeah. What do you wish, where do you wish those numbers were? Uh, 50% of gross at least. Whoa. 50%. Yeah, at least. I'd rather actually it be 50% of net. Whoa. Um, which would mean our take home pay. Half that would be right. going into savings because that would mean at, probably at most in 10 years time, we could retire, both of us. Hmm. Whoa. But. All right. Dreams. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to one big thing. Okay. I'm going to share mine first since you already alluded to it. But uh, <laughs> so as I mentioned, I just had kind of a stressful day at work earlier this week. And it was just, you know, it's one of those things when something stressful or not great happens and it just leaves you feeling so just, uh, um, and so I was feeling that way. 
Um, but then, um, since that happened and, you know, I just kind of had some time to move past it just this week, there were so many instances in which I was reminded of the deep, rich community of friends that I have. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, and it was not an atypical week. Um, I mean, I had book club, which I just have once a month, but, I talked to a friend on the phone that I hadn't talked to in a long time, but I just got other, you know, emails. I got a couple of invitations for like coffee or lunch or things like that. Um, just had like some nice, nice conversations with friends. I got this really nice email from my friend Becky, who had some, you know, rental versus ownership advice for us. And I think just being reminded of all these wonderful relationships that I had in my life, it was so comforting and just gave me so much perspective. And it just made, you know, something blah at work seem so unimportant, which, which it actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was just a really wonderful perspective and reminder. So it was just really nice. Yeah. That's awesome. <sighs> You're already rich. Oh, in friends and love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, that's, that's very awesome. And actually, it inspires me a lot to try to, in fact, the like regular meetings I have with <laughs> one of the few friends that I have <laughs> is really inspired by you because you're so Aww, good at, at cultivating friendships and being really intentional about having them that I, I try yeah. and do the same. And I think then, like, even though I am trying to, like, spend less money when I get together with my friends, it just was kind of a reminder to me that, like, I am going to try to be more creative so it doesn't cost me money, but just that the the energy and maybe that the money that I do spend, it's really worth it to me because, like, when, like, when I need to fall back on friends, they're so there for me. So, mm -hmm. anyway, mm -hmm. so it feels like a worthy investment. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, so mine is actually, I referred to this too, but, uh, this guy, Jim Collins and his blog, it's a very simple blog. You can find it at jlcollinsnh.com. So not <laughs> that super is easy. very confusing. We will link to it in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's great because if you go there, there were two pages I found that I thought were awesome. Mm -hmm. One is right up in the, in the, um, the search um, bar. Let's link to it. Yeah. Okay. Which is manifesto. And ba all that is, is just a listing of essentially everything he thinks is important, which, which is. Is it like his ideal life or what do you mean? Like what kind of things does he think is important? I think are important. How to live life really. Okay. Which I think basically 100% of people should follow. Wow. <laughs> all right. Spend less than you earn, invest the surplus, avoid debt. Hmm. Do simply this and you'll wind up rich, not just in money. Hmm. Right. Like these are, these are things I, I really think given my perspective on the excesses and how they're destroying mm -hmm. our lives and our happiness and mm -hmm. the environment, I really think this is what everybody should be doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there's also, there's, there's cool stuff. So um, I'm trying to find some spend sparingly tip generously. You own the things you own and they in turn own you. Money can buy many things, but nothing more valuable than your freedom. Life choices are not always about the money, but you should always be clear about the money choices you're making. You know, this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And actually, there's so there's a lot. And one of my favorite parts in the middle, um, he talks about investing specifically. Mm -hmm. And it's just two lines. Index funds, end of story. Vanguard, end of story. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> so if you're wondering about complexities and investing and that kind of thing, uh, this is, if you read across personal investors and mm -hmm. who've been really successful, 
They say the same thing every single time. Index funds, Vanguard. Mm -hmm. That's it. And there was a great recent Planet Money episode that we will link to. And I was actually listening to it as I was falling asleep. And I wanted to reach over and like shake you awake to tell you because it was um, they were telling the story of uh, Warren Buffett back, I think, in 2006 or 2008 Um, taking on this bet of which could make more money over several years, an index fund or a hedge fund, which is just highly managed and very aggressive. And he said it's going to be the index fund every single time. And so he chose index fund. And I believe it might have been a Vanguard index fund. And anyway, it is that um, bet is going to be coming due at the end of this year. And he's like 66% ahead. And so <laughs> just, I mean, it, it, it does seem to be true. I, I just have seen it like again and again by many different, recommended mm-hmm. by many different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there couldn't, there's no better lesson in, in finances in life. But I thought you'd appreciate the last couple in oh, this list. Let me hear. Um, last few, really. Keep a mental list of people you'd like to have a cup of coffee with. Invite them. Oh. There's one. The next one is read. And the last one, there is nothing you can't learn, no place you can't go if you read. I love it. Right? I mean, that's right up your alley. Yes, it is. Anyway, and there's one more, which I won't run through, but there's one more about like lessons learned and and things he's trying to impart to his daughter. Mm. And it's it's a repackaging of a lot of this Mm -hmm. stuff, but how to live life so that you can be... A role model. Well, like how you can be like his daughter can become financially independent. Oh, I see. I and see. then really live life to the fullest, mm-hmm. pursue passions and those sorts of things. Work as long as you want or as short as you want, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really great advice there, too. So, um, And I know that was just getting you excited about teaching our boys just about money and empowering them that you don't have to live life in a you know, this like traditional way, you could empower yourself to have all the flexibility that you want to truly pursue your passions to be financially independent so that you can do whatever kind of work you want. So yeah, Yeah, we're getting excited about that. (laughs) So, you know, you you never can control your kids and they'll, they'll Mm -hmm. do what they they do eventually, but hopefully they're growing up in an environment where they're not surrounded by excesses of toys and we have excesses of toys and, you know, multiple cars and all of this stuff. Instead, Mm -hmm. you know, we, I think we probably bike, for mm-hmm. errands and for fun a lot more than most people. And, and they have sparingly, you know, t- the number of toys around mm-hmm. and we spend a lot of time playing with them outside and mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. So I hope that the environment is being set. So these are, these kinds of lessons feel more natural right. when we teach them. But yeah. We'll see. All right. Okay. Well, I think that is our episode today. Thank you so much for listening as always. And next time we're going to be back with another feature listener. We're excited to share that one. Um, We are going to take a break from accepting new featured listeners right now. We just want to make sure we can always give them the time and effort to really look into the situation. So we have another couple that we'll be bringing you over the next few episodes, and then we will open up a call for more featured listeners at a time in the future, and we'll definitely let you guys know when that's coming up. Um, We love to get your questions. As always, email us at heymatrimony at gmail.com. So read, invite, and hang out with your friends, and remember to love your honey, not your money. Now remember your intro.
This show is about our marriage. I'm say it different every time. <laughs> what are you going to say? Uh, my inflection will be different. <laughs> Do you need a tissue because you're sniffling a lot? 